How awesome are holidays? Yeah. How good is it kids going back to school? <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever had to work really hard for something that you wanted. Like, I mean, really dedicate everything you've got to, a, to, to get something or achieve something. That you've, it's just been like the driving force in your life. Uh, I remember as a 16-year-old, as a, like an absolute metal head, the little amp that I had wasn't good enough. Like, like my ears would squeal a little bit, but I, I didn't want to hear anything when I turned this thing off. I want to be like, ooh, like for eight. So, so I, I got a job at the local swimming pool. Now, this is back in the day where you could do all this stuff, where an untrained 16-year-old was the lifeguard, as well as in charge of the chemicals that you put into the pool, um, as well as if you wanted hot chips, the 16-year-old could use the hot oil and cook you, like all that sort of stuff that you'd get in trouble for nowadays, um, unsupervised and untrained. But um, I remember I would get out of bed at the crack of noon, like I was so dedicated. I would get to the swimming pool about 1 o'clock. I'd open up the gate. I'd pull that giant big blanket thing that they put over on the, on the pool. I'd pull that off. And then we would... Um, get all the chemicals balanced, and then we would open the gates and I would man the, the kiosk and take people's finances and tell kids not to run through the rusty old PA speaker and all this stuff. And I did it all summer, every single day. It was at the pool, at the pool. Once school started, I'd go to school, I'd get home, down to the pool, same sort of thing, open the pool. Um, little country town, so it's not like a massive, massive, you know, thousands of people. Um, Ten was a busy day. But, it, but it, was a, it, it was a thing, and I worked all summer to save up every possible dollar I could find to buy Carl. This is Carl, the Carlsborough amp. Um, you may notice that out of every amp in the world, this is the only red one, which means I should be able to play faster. Um, and I, I, know I just wanted this so bad that I poured everything into it. I valued it so much. I played this every single day. I'm pretty sure the little country town I grew up in, everybody knows Carl. Like, it's loud. It's a really good am. And, and I played every single day between myself and my brother. We just, like, just played beautiful hymns um, for the entire community to hear. Um, and my ears would just ring for hours and hours after we'd stopped jamming. Like, it was so much fun. But I valued Carl. It cost me a lot and actually means a lot to me. I wonder for us when it comes to our relationship with God, just how much we value it. How much do we revalue our relationship with Jesus Christ? How much does it cost to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And does he mean a lot to us? Today, maybe you haven't accepted Jesus or maybe you've left Jesus for a little while and you need to revisit this. And if that's you, then this scripture and today's message is for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as we open up your word, you would show us what it is to find the ultimate treasure of this earth, a treasure that is greater than anything that we can have. Help us to value it. Help us to weigh up what it costs. And Lord, may it be the most meaningful thing that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if I'm really honest, I grabbed Carl and brought it here this morning. And in true authenticity and after the service, you can come and check if I do this. 
There's a, can you see that? Like, it's gross. Sam, can you see that? Can you, like, thanks, mate. Thanks, Sammy. You, you can plug your guitar in later and you can have a go of it, hey? That'd be, that'd be fun, man. What can blow away your sin? <laughs> Nothing but Jesus, but, but that helps. Um, that was wrong. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Now, Carl's been sitting in the corner of the living room for a long time. Now, I still love it. I still value it. It still means a lot to me. But it's been sitting in the corner with a cloth on it, and it's essentially been used as a shelf. There's been things sitting on it, things that it's been holding up. Now, for some of us, that's our relationship with Jesus. There was a time where it meant a lot to us. There was a time when we got the most out of it, the time that we valued it, a time where it was the most precious thing that we had. But recently, we've just started to take it for for granted. We don't value it as much as we, we once did. It's been sitting in the corner and it's been holding up our morals and our values, but it's not being used for what it was really designed to be. Scripture says this in Matthew chapter 13, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again. And, and then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought the field. You see, I love that there's, there's a joy in the response. He has found something that means so much to him that it's filled him with joy that the cost meant nothing. He sold everything he had to buy the field. Verse 45 says, Then again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearls. When he found one of great value, there's not many, there's just one, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, there's something that there's a cost. Of the value of this treasure outweighs everything else. The value of this treasure brings focus. The value of this treasure means that there's, there's something to live for. The value of this treasure brings joy. But what is this value? Why would we choose this treasure over something else? What is the treasure? Because I know for some of us, our relationship with Jesus is like something we once treasured that's now sort of sitting in the corner of the room, a little bit forgotten about, a little bit taken for granted. So let's look at some of the things that help us treasure what we have in Jesus. See, some of us entering this year have an element of fear. We don't know what it's, going to, what it's going to bring. We don't know what's going to happen this year. And so we are fearful as we enter into 2022. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. We don't know what happens with the rules. We don't know what happens with all this stuff. And we're full of fear. But Scripture says in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, For you created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The only fear that we should have is for how incredible God is and the way that he's created us. Because the way that he has created us is amazing. His works are known full well. And if we look at God's works, we don't have to have a fear. We have a confidence that the creator of the world has a plan. And while we may not understand what that is or not know what's going next, we know that he does. And so we put our faith in him. The confidence that we have comes from a relationship with the creator 
Who made you? Who knows you? Who made the world and knows the world? You see, fear can sometimes also lead to anxiety. The anxiousness, that emotion, that shortness of breath of what's happening in and around us. And when we're by ourselves, that can happen. We can be fearful and we can be anxious. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, then we have this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. You see, there is anxiety in the world, but when we bring our anxiety with prayer and petition over and over again, bring it to God, bringing it to God, bringing it to God, leaving it with Jesus, God, Jesus, take this from me, help me work this through, then there comes this, this peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make logical sense. And it shouldn't because it's not a human thing. It's a supernatural thing that can only come from God. See, often when we try and do things by ourselves, we fail. There's a weakness in our own abilities. And we can be smart and we can do our best and they're all good things and we're meant to try hard, we're meant to work hard. But each and every one of us has weaknesses. But when we we find the treasure that is Jesus, we read in Isaiah, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with the righteousness, with my righteous right hand. The right hand of God is the right hand of the Creator. The right hand is the hand that does things. The right hand is the the hand that held the weapon in those times of war that we read in Scripture. The, the, The right hand of God not only created the universe, but also brings us strength. In our weakness, the things that we can't do, God can do. In the things that we don't have answers to, God does have answers to. He is our strength. When we lean on him and depend on him, he will strengthen and help us. You see, this year, as we we go into it, there's an element of unknown. There's an element that we're not quite sure what's going to happen next. And yes, we've got the fears and yes, we've got the anxieties, but usually that's around. There is an unknown, an unknownness. But we need a certainty. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, or depths, or anything else in all creation, we will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we may have unknown that is facing us this year. There may be things that we're not sure about. But we have a certainty that nothing can separate us from God's love sent through Christ. Nothing can separate us. The the certainty that we can bank on is that you are loved. The, The certainty that we bank on is that God wants a relationship with you. The certainty that we can fully bank on is that while we face the unknown, we don't do it alone, we do it with Jesus. You see, when we try and face the unknown by ourselves, when we try and do things on our own, when we try and fill the void in our life with other things of this world, we realize that we are just unloved. We can try and fill it, and we can try and buy stuff. As a 16-year-old, I thought I felt love. I thought I knew what love was. Like, it's nothing. 
Like it was great at the time. Like I love the ant, but it, 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 it's not forever. It fades because earthly things fade. But the love of God is something else. It's Ephesians chapter 3 says this, and it flows on from a previous verse, that we may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be fulfilled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. So far, we've got this peace that transcends understanding. Now we have a love that surpasses knowledge. A love that is, that is so incredible that we can't even logically grasp the unconditional love that, that even though we mess up, even though we do the wrong thing, even though we've sinned, even though we've rejected God at times, even though we've left him in the corner and taken him for granted, he still loves us so much that he died on the cross for you to restore your relationship with God. It doesn't make sense that he would continue to love us even though we've rejected him time and time and time again. This is an unconditional love that we have access to right now, right in this moment, of a loving God that longs to have a relationship with you. Yet some people choose to say no. I still want to do it on my own. I still want to find fulfillment in, in other things in this world. I want to find fulfillment with, with buying stuff. I want to find fulfillment with relationships with other people. I want to find different fulfillment. The scripture talks about this being an element of blindness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled, and the idea of a veil is like picture a wedding, the wedding veil over your face, which means you can't see very well, like the wedding veil see-through, but in this analogy, you can't see. This is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God, little g, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, people try and find fulfillment in other things, but the light that brings hope, the light into the darkness, the light that brings fulfillment, fulfillment is only found in Jesus Christ. And when we try and find things on our own, we just, you just see the, the way that it perpetuates and people get more and more lost. People start to get addicted to the things that they start to, to grab onto instead of grabbing onto who God created us to grab onto, and that is Jesus. People turn to substance abuse and all sorts of addictions start to take place, different vices, and people become lost. But then we read in Scripture this, that in Luke chapter 15, I tell you in the same way, there will be, some, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, who says sorry, than 99 religious persons who do not need to repent. What I love about this is, is you see, I love church. I love it. I love this. I love that we can come together as the body of Christ, as church, and we can worship and we can see the young people up here on stage and they're all going crazy and Ryland's cymbals super loud and, and, and it's, it's cool and Jojo's like smiling away, playing the songs and stuff and Sam's just like doing his solo thing, like so good, man. Like, I love it. And this, like, everyone's using their gifts and incredible singing. Like, I love church. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. But this is the 99. 
This is the 99. If we want the kingdom of heaven to be here on earth, if we want to please God, we need to be reaching people who don't know who Jesus is. That's when the party starts in heaven. That's when the lost are found. That's when people come to know the hope, the treasure that is in Jesus. You see, when people come into a relationship with Jesus, they're no longer disconnected from the rest of the the world or disconnected from, from God or finding this void or space. They actually belong to something far greater than themselves. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Consequently, you, do not, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also are members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You see, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer disconnected, you belong. You belong to to God's church. You belong to to God's people. You become a part of the family, the body of Christ. Built on a legacy that that spans Old Testament with the God of the Old Testament, leading his faithful people out of captivity and slavery to the promised land, through to the New Testament with Jesus that restored the broken relationship with God, through to the disciples that that were faithful and, and built his church, through to us here and the legacy that we have both within our church in this city, but also in this country and this nation. I want you to know that you belong. When you accept Jesus, you belong to something bigger. And then it says in Scripture that you have a choice. You have a choice. Will you choose the treasure or not? Will you choose to do things by yourself or will you choose to do life with your Lord and Savior? The the parable goes on that Jesus says in Matthew 13. The first one was, remember, the the treasure that was in the the field and the joy that the person had to go and find it. The second one was the pearl. And they went and sold everything to buy the pearl. And it goes on, it says, once again, Matthew 13, verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it onto shore and they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets and they threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things, Jesus said? And like all good students, when the teacher asked, do you understand? They said, yes. And then he gives them the, the action point, the challenge. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law has become a disciple. If you're a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, it's like the owner of a house who has brought out of the storeroom new treasure as well as the old. It says, if you have accepted Jesus and you are a disciple... It's like you've gone to the storeroom and grabbed out the relationship, the knowledge, the passion you once had that was in storage, and you've brought it out, the old and the new. The new being the the covenant of Jesus Christ, the new covenant, the Messiah that restored our relationship. But don't forget the old. Don't forget what God did in the Old Testament. Don't forget what God did back in those days when he was faithful to his people, when he led them out of slavery, when he, when he saved them from Pharaoh, when he, he saved them from, from all the, the terrible things that happened over time. Don't forget that, the old and new. 
But don't leave it in the storeroom. Don't store it. It's meant to be used. It's meant to be put out on show. It's meant to be a part of how we live. So to summarize, see, the world offers this. It offers fear, anxiety, weakness, the unknown, being unloved, being blind, being lost, or being disconnected. And you have a choice. You can choose those things. Or in Jesus, you can choose confidence, peace, strength, certainty, being loved, having sight, being found, and belonging to a family. You see, the treasure that we search for in life is the good news. And the good news in Scripture is the word gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a good news of a relationship. It's a good news that you don't need to do this journey alone, that you do it with him. I want to leave you with this thought. Where is your treasure? Is it sitting in the corner, holding up your morals and values? Or is it out for all to see, being used the way that it was meant to be used? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you bring the answers that we look for in this world. We thank you that you fill the void that is in our lives in a way that brings true fulfillment. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that when we have a relationship with Jesus, that we do not do these things alone, that we have access to you. We have access to your strength because you hold us. We have access to peace as we give the wrestles of this world to you. We have access to a knowledge that we are unconditionally loved. We have access to, to this transcendence of understanding of how you can bring about purpose and peace and hope in the midst of a broken world. Lord, may we value the treasure that is Jesus. May it mean the world to us. And may we give up these other pursuits to pay the cost so that we may have the one, not the one pearl, but the one relationship with the one that gave all for us. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.